From Upstate Medical University, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention recommends males under age 21 be vaccinated for HPV, the human papillomavirus. But in research presented recently at the American Urological Association, two urologists from upstate demonstrated that vaccination rates remain exceedingly low for American males. Here to speak more on this topic is Dr. Timothy Byler, an assistant professor of urology, and Dr. Michael Doherty, chief urology resident. Welcome, both of you. Good morning. Let's begin by explaining what HPV is and why it matters to men. Uh, Dr. Byler? Human papillomavirus, or HPV shorthand, is a virus that is contracted through human contact and is uh, the most commonly sexually transmitted infection globally. It has over 170 different forms that result in different clinical symptoms. About 40 of these are known to spread through sexual contact directly. Many people have it and do not know it or have, have no symptoms or concerns. And studies have shown that a large percentage of these infections may actually go away on their own. So there's um, more than 40 strains of HPV there are, that are sexually transmitted? Yes. Um, okay. And uh, we'll get to this in a minute, but there are vaccination covers a small portion of them. Okay. All right. Um, does HPV infection affect infertility for, for men or fertility? It has no direct effect on fertility in men, no. Uh, it can produce uh, external symptoms, which we'll get to in just a minute, or and has uh, cancer implications. Because I know uh, with, in women, it affects um, cervical cancer risk, correct? Yes. So for men, does it have um, a cancer? Yes. Um, HPV has been linked to both benign and cancerous conditions. Uh, okay. In the benign form, it can cause the sexually transmitted disease of genital warts. This can cause small growths to occur in the genitals of those infected. Mm-hmm. Uh, many many are uh, infected and not aware and do not have visible lesions. Huh. Okay. It's, it's well known to women, as you mentioned, uh, and gynecologists uh, due to its cervical cancer risk. Uh, it's actually linked to over 70% of uh, cervical cancer uh, patients. It's been rec- recommended that sexually active women uh, obtain a pap smear and look for these changes and look for the virus. Uh, the impact for males is less clear, but it has been implicated in cancer of the penis, uh, mouth, and anus in okay. males. All right. Um, what about circumcision? Does that play a role in um, increasing anyone's... So there's been uh, several studies that have showed that um, from other countries that it, people that were circumcised actually had a lower risk of disease prevalence and a lower transmission risk of HPV. Circumcision also has been shown to have lowered the rate of transmission of HIV amongst people as well. Um, however, when we get to when we looked in our study, we actually found that uh, those men that were circumcised actually had a higher risk of having some HPV strains on from this current study that we did. Okay, so um, you're, Dr. Doherty, you're talking about the research that you did that you presented at the American Urological Association recently? Yep. Mm-hmm. So tell me about um, the study. What, what did you look at and what did you find? So the, the study was looking at the NHANES database, which is the National Health and Nutrition Examination Survey. Um, it's run by the CDC, as you are mentioning before. Um, and each year they go around different parts of the country and they take uh, people uh, from different counties and different places and they do a series of lab work and different testing and questionnaires for them as well. And during the years uh, 2013 and 2014, they collected uh, penile swabs from men, um, and they then tested them for HPV DNA to then see what different strains that they had and who had it and 
to then look at how it affected the population. Because this is something, as you mentioned, that you may have and not know. Because yes. there's, is there always no symptoms or are there some symptoms that you can be alert for? Uh, so it's very common, honestly. I, for most of these men in this study, I think were completely asymptomatic. There was no lesions that they tested. It was just testing the penile skin. Uh, the majority of these HPVs don't necessarily cause an external lesion. Even the ones that are known to cause genital warts, they uh, say 16 to 22% of them will go on to develop an external lesion. So it's very common to not have a visible manifestation of the disease. But um, even if you don't have a visible manifestation, you could spread this disease to a sexual partner? Absolutely. That's, That's part of the concern is you, most people will have it and be able to spread it to others without even knowing. Men or women. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. So, um, so you presented this at the conference or the, okay. Um, well, let's talk about the vaccination that's available. How does, how does it work? So there are currently actually three vaccinations that are available. Um, there are the three of them are available to all women. Um, that's there, that they have different strains that they protect against. Um, the two of them, the ones that have four different strains and nine different strains are the ones that are available for men. Um, and they recommend for men normally once they get into adolescence to get the vaccination. Um, it works by giving the DNA uh, of the virus and then it allows the body to be to like become aware up. to it so they can then in treat it if it were to be in infect them in the future. Okay, but only for those 12 or so Right, so they, it's not for all strains of HPV. They picked the, the most common initially is why the first for the strains that had four available, it was the two most common that caused cancers and then also the two for genital warts. The ones that have the nine strains is has the genital warts and then also the, the seven most common that are known to cause cancers. Okay. So, and this vaccine has only been around, what, in the last five or ten years? Yes, so. I believe the first one came out in 2007. Uh, and uh, the most recent one, the highest, uh, the nine uh, coverage, uh, came out in 2013 or so. Uh, and let me add that this, uh, this vaccine is extremely effective, uh, has almost 100% protection against these strains in studies. Uh, and that's not always the case with all vaccines. But it's recommended for adolescents, um, boys to have, well, and girls too, but we're speaking about boys, um, to get the vaccine. So I guess my point is there's a lot of men who never got it. It wasn't available when they were adolescents. Are they recommended to get a vaccine? Are they the, like catching up? The current the recommendation the is just to vaccinate, recommended for all males under the age of 21, and they extend it to those uh, that are 26 or younger that have high risk, oh. um, either characteristics, either it's men who have sex with men, or I think an increased number of partners, or even immunocompromised. Other okay. than that, they haven't extended it further for people when they're older. Okay, so over time, the population will become more vaccinated. Yes. Uh, well, assuming people get the vaccine, because didn't you find that there was an exceedingly low number of boys that are... Yeah, it's very surprising. So when we looked at all of the patients, it was about roughly 10% of them uh, had reported a history of the vaccination. We then looked at further those that were actually under the age of 25 that would be in that window of who should have had a vaccination at that time, and that was only about 22% of them. So that still is more than three quarters of these men in this target range have not been vaccinated. So your study probably didn't look at why they weren't vaccinated, but do you have any speculations or have you seen Yeah, that? unfortunately with the way that the, the NHANES runs that their data collection, it doesn't go into exactly why you didn't have a vaccination, just have you received it before. It's possible that it's 
lack of awareness that there's a vaccination available, um, even because it's due to normally when men are in their adolescence as opposed to when they're a child and it's their normal vaccination schedule where they go routinely to the pediatrician to get their series of vaccinations. Yeah. It's 10, 15 years after that where they have to get a new vaccination that it could be that they either kind of are not compliant with it, they don't come to the doctors regularly, and they're not a, aware of it. Okay. All right. Um, because the vaccination rates, I think, are a lot higher for girls, but maybe they're more mindful of going to a gynecologist who keeps track of that or something. Yeah, I think that there was initially a lot of, it was initially created for women. So the bigger push or publicity for it was geared towards women and preventing uh, cervical cancer. So I think it's just a, the men are kind of behind on terms of their awareness for it, and it's moving along just delayed compared to how it is for females. All right. So if the symptoms, if you if if you're a male and you have HPV, if you're infected and you don't really have symptoms, what's bad about it other than the fact that you could be spreading it to a sexual partner? But what is it doing to you in your body that's bad? You mentioned genital warts. It's, yes. So cer some certain strains can cause visible lesions that can uh, emer uh, emerge at any point. Uh, so. The genital warts is certainly a common uh, disorder, and in our study, we found about three percent of men were infected with strains that could cause visible lesions. Uh, as you mentioned, something around twenty percent of men that have that will produce lesions. But uh, let me emphasize that NHANES uh, data is on a population level, so this is not like a small subset of men. This is meant to be generalizable to millions. Okay. So when we say three percent, we're really talking about millions of men. Okay. Uh, and that means, you know, millions of men that may develop a lesion. And then the genital warts need to be treated? Is that... M many people seek treatment when they have an external lesion for a number of reasons. Um, in themselves, they are not dangerous, but they are obviously cosmetic uh, and embarrassing to patients. And that's the ma main reason why they come in. Uh, you know, as we mentioned, a lot of these men are in se sexually active uh, you know, younger age groups, uh, maybe still dating, and they're embarrassed to have something like that when they meet a new partner. Uh, so they seek treatment. Uh, treatment estimates um, have, we've uh, estimated around $200 million are spent per year treating genital warts. So it's not a simple, it's not a small problem. Okay. Okay. Another, and go ahead. Another issue with HPV is it has been associated with penile cancer. Okay. As you mentioned before, it's, uh, about 50 to 70% of all penile cancers uh, are associated with underlying HPV infection as well. Uh, penile cancer is much more rare compared to cervical cancer in the U.S. population, but it still can be a devastating disease when it occurs and it's something that could possibly be prevented with an HPV vaccination. And did I hear you right? The majority of penile cancers have HPV at the, as yeah, the root the, cause? Yeah, when looking at it, it's between 50 to 70% of all penile cancers have an underlying HPV infection as well. How would you know that you have a, a penile cancer? What would the, be the symptoms that a person would? Uh, there's many symptoms that come up. Lar largely, it's a lesion on the, on the penis that is growing, bleeding, potentially. Uh, could be emitting some sort of foul discharge uh, that, you know, we eventually examine uh, and determine that it's cancer. Honestly, uh, for patients, I think if you have a lesion uh, that you're concerned about in this realm, it's not something you should be self-diagnosing. It's something that you should seek treatment for and, uh, you know, see a doctor to, to uh, be evaluated to decide, is this a genital wart or, um, or something, something, something more sinister. 
So um, how is that treated in general, penile cancer? Uh, and there's a lot of variables that come into play in terms of treatment, uh, but generally we have to surgically remove it. So part of the penis is removed during that process, whether that be you know just a small part or potentially the whole penis. Um, so it's that's as he mentioned, this is devastating to men. Wow. Okay. The major point I wanted to bring up was just that uh, the vaccine's out there and people should know about it uh, and talk to their primary care physicians about potentially receiving it if, if they're interested or getting more information about it. And if there is any visible lesions that are present uh, on the penis, don't make any assumptions. Uh, we're happy to Get evaluate it, it at any point. All right, great. Well, my guests have been Dr. Timothy Byler and Dr. Michael Doherty from Upstate's Department of Urology. I'm Amber Smith for Upstate's podcast and talk show, HealthLink on Air.